Welcome to Sundial. I'm Carlos Frias. For the last 10 years, Marie Vickles has thought about how she can expose more people in South Florida to the arts. It's her passion and her job. She's the director of education at the Perez Art Museum. She brings groups into the museum to teach them about the arts. They have actual classrooms there. They fill them with everyone from Miami Elementary School students to NASA scientists. Marie realizes that there's more than one way to bring the arts to people and people to the arts. She starts by thinking locally. See, she's also the curator in residence at the Little Haiti Cultural Complex. She makes the connection between those hyper-local exhibits and a large cultural institution like the PAM, where she can help people learn about international contemporary artists. Marie thinks about how best to serve the neighborhoods that make up a very diverse South Florida. To talk to us about minting new generations of art lovers is Marie Vickles. Welcome, Marie. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. So uh, as the kids say, T-I-L, today I learned that the PAM has actual classrooms. Yes. Uh, you know, in, in that, uh, in that there's these dedicated spaces where you bring people in to teach about the arts, which is such a, a lost thing, I think, if folks, if you don't have an edge, if you don't grow up with an education in the arts, to kind of understand what you're looking at and why you're looking at it and why it's significant. So I guess talk to me about that a little bit, about the, the need for spaces like that. Yeah, so sometimes, you know, museums can definitely be a little mysterious from the outside. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the things that I do now working at PAM, I never even knew were possibilities as a kid growing up going to museums in Denver, where I'm from. Like what? What do you mean? What what things are, are now in your world <laughs> scope that, that you as a kid were, were invisible to? Um, I would say literally my job. I, I never thought about um, people that worked at museums as educators, that there are people that think about what the work on view is and, and work to find ways to like decode it and create programs for, for people of all ages to like better understand it or just engage with it. Mm. Um, yeah, I just would go and look at art and it was kind of you know, a, myst- a mystery, like how did that art even get on the wall? Right? right. And that's like the whole definition of your job is to explain how that art got on the wall. Exactly. Well, talk to me about that, about the, the goal of it, ultimately. Like you can have a museum and you can fill it with art, but then you make this connection, right? You you tie this connection uh, that people might not have to the art. Tell me about the goal of, of a job like yours and, and a role like yours as an educator in a museum. Yeah, so the goal is really to find ways to connect people with the art on view, to connect them with the experiences that the artist who has created this work is sharing about their own lives. So art is a it's a way to connect us as humans to another. Like how do we understand each other's stories, experiences? Um so really in my role as an educator, along with this incredible team of people that I work with at PAM, is is to do just that, like decode it, um, you know, find different connection points. Um, you know, how does an artist from China connect with audiences in Miami, right? It doesn't always seem obvious at first, but there are connections. And that's part of the fun of finding finding those connections, the research, um, the discussions we even have as educators, like thinking about how to create um, resources 
or lesson plans or tours, you know, for, right. for the people coming into the museum. It's funny because I, I, in my background as a sports writer, I, I always remember, you know, Barry Bonds, who was one of the great hitters. Uh, it, uh, tr- they tried to have him as a hitting coach, but he couldn't explain to another how to be great like me. He couldn't explain what he did. And, but it's, it's up to people that can look from the outside sometimes to explain, to draw those dots. So that, that's a part of it, too, I would imagine, too, is, is explaining the genius, right? Yeah. Sometimes it does help to be a little bit removed from it. Um, you know, although we love and really benefit from talking with the artists that are creating the work, you know, mm-hmm. like what was in your mind when you were, you know, painting this or making this sculpture or what inspired you, like what sparked the the idea or even desire to like work in a certain medium. Um, but yeah, then, then thinking about like, okay, how do we translate that to a five-year-old in kindergarten? Oof. Yeah. That sounds <laughs> yeah. Like, that doesn't sound like an easy job yeah. at all. And then it gets a little more specific. Yeah. Right. You mentioned specific artists. I, I'd love to, to think about, uh, to talk about some of the th- ways that you've made those connections. You mentioned a Chinese artist and I immediately went to Ai Weiwei. You read my mind. Yeah. So yeah. like, you know, he's both an artist, but also like a, a big activist, you mm-hmm. know, uh, working within uh, and outside of, um, uh, you know, communist China, you mm-hmm. know, like where freedom of expression is so mm-hmm. is so tight. So talk to me about that. You know, if you were thinking about Ai Weiwei, how do, what were some ways where you tried to get people to connect with his art? Yeah. So actually that exhibition and that particular artist came to mind because um, he was one of the first artists in the museum when it opened. I remember. Right. And it's new iteration. by And, some, by and some knucklehead like grabbed one of these clay earthenware oh pots gosh. that was like maybe thousands of years old yeah. and broke it as supposedly an act of protest. It was Very I, I just think it. <laughs> <laughs> so Miami. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, it was it was dramatic. Luckily, Ai Weiwei wasn't too upset. But, you know, you definitely don't want things like that happening no. <laughs> on the folks, regular. In general, don't touch the art, folks. I yeah. can't believe we don't. We have to keep saying it. But don't yeah. touch the art. But yeah. but getting back to it. So, like, what, what were some of the talk to me more about some of the ways that you try to connect what he's trying to do um, and why you thought that would work in Miami? Like, oh, here's why this artist could speak to Miami, you know? Right. Well, there's some really kind of like, um, I don't know if necessarily they're obvious, but like the political kind of connections of coming from communist China, um, thinking about the 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 really big um, uh, immigration that we have here and technically resettlement of Cubans that also escaped uh, communist Cuba and thinking about what does freedom of expression mean right here in a place like Miami um, and how how are artists being suppressed you know not only in places like Cuba but in other places across the world so I think Ai Weiwei helped us to really connect to our local Caribbean Cuban American populations that are here um that was that was a really special exhibition and because he's internationally known has like a lot of just visibility um i think it was a great a great way to to just show like the there are struggles that all of us as human humans you know are facing across the globe and how governments you know over overreach overdo it with how they want to kind of like guide our lives right. to say it in a very nice way <laughs> 
Do you ever work with artists specifically who have an idea about how they want to talk about their art? And because I mean, it it always helps when mm-hmm. you talk to someone who knows how to express, you know, the inner workings of, of their art. And I'm, I'm sure like it's like a good therapy session. You sit down with them and and get things out of them to how mm-hmm. to how to explain that. But have you worked with artists who came in with ideas about what they wanted to share? And and how do you work with with an artist that way? Well, actually, I think more and more. Um, at least in the time that I've been working with artists and, and what I've observed just in the art world in general, I think artists are becoming so much better at that. Mm. Um, really being, you know, a source for what their work means as opposed to letting others necessarily interpret it or possibly misinterpret it. Mm. Uh, I think part of that is due to like social media and the fact that we all have our own channels right now right. to like say what we are thinking, what our viewpoint is to share that in like um, visual ways. So I would say now artists are, are in general are very clear on what their work is about, why they're making it, what's the intention behind it. Yeah, and actually, actually, what we love about having artists on this show is is kind of giving them the mic and saying, "Tell us about your art, you know, and where it comes from, and and the inspiration behind it." It's it's really you know revealing. And I think with with some artists, you know, if you get a Rothko or something, you know, might you might look at it and say, "Oh, this this requires some explaining," and then you know, which is you know, paint strokes on a on a. Mm-hmm. Uh, on a, on a canvas, but then you have something like a, like a Yayoi Kusama, who's like at your exhibit now, their exhibit is wrapping up, mm-hmm. which is colorful and beautiful, but there's also like, you have to explain in a different way, right? Mm-hmm. So talk to me about that. That's an exhibit that you have going on now. Like, how do you, how do you begin to explain something like that to, you know, to the, to an audience? Well, to someone who's never seen the Yayoi Kusama exhibition, I would say, get down to Pam and see it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's experiential. It's three-dimensional. So you have to stand in the space to really feel what it means to, to quote-unquote, see the work because it's like your whole body gets to see it. Um, there's sound. There's the visual space itself. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the lights, the colors, the patterns. Um, it's It's all-encompassing. So... Work like that, uh, you can describe it all day long, but until you experience it, it's a whole nother story. Right. And I, I say that from from my own experience. I was like, yeah, yeah, I'll go, I'll go check it out. You know, after it opened, we had like a crush of visitors. It was like really hard to get in there, even sometimes for staff. So <laughs> what, in a quiet moment, I like st- snuck down in there and I was like, okay, now's my chance, you know. And I had, you know, I've seen her work before in other places, but to stand inside that space, it it was it wasn't something I could necessarily put into words, mm. right? There's just some places where like words are not going to be enough. You have to experience it. Right. It's like jumping off a a big cliff into water. It's like you can describe it, but the feeling is, you know, yeah. it's something else. You have to be free falling to get yeah. it. Yeah. Um, but then you do something which is really interesting, I think. I mean, you have like a nine to five. It's, I'm sure this is a very busy job. But at the same time, you're also, um, you curate exhibits at the Little Haiti Cultural Complex. Mm-hmm. And um, you curated an exhibit of a former guest of ours, uh, Nadej Green, former WLRN reporter, uh, yeah. who's kind of like local historian. And she did, you guys worked on this exhibit together about uh, queer black Miami communities contributions. Mm-hmm. Um and so tell me about something like that, like how you approach 
the educational aspect to something like that, which is, you know, at a on a smaller venue and it's a very much a community venue. Yeah. So, yeah, my work at Little Haiti is so special to me. And um, I, I hope and I do think it's special to the community as well. Um, I love creating exhibitions that are local in in um, content and focus that are really relevant to the the community one where it's situated mm-hmm. it's in little haiti and then two something that connects to people in in ways that it's like their everyday life they're just like yes i understand this um it makes me think of my cousin my brother my sister you know like people that people that are close to them in their lives and that particular exhibition give them their flowers was an exhibition just like that and then there are so many others that we do there as well that again have that like local relevancy and and it's interesting because I'm I'm in this like uh kind of headspace of like local global it's like Miami is so specific in and who it is as a city and how we are right like we're, we're from Miami and we like wear that badge really proudly but we also have so many global connections so that's that's really like what I try to do in the exhibitions at Little Haiti in general like focusing on that local and the global connection there's like a there's like a context that you don't have to explain to a community right around it, right? Mm-hmm. But then there's extra work mm-hmm. when you want to bring people from outside, from Kendall to Little Haiti, mm-hmm. from, I mean, Little River to Little Haiti. I mean, mm-hmm. there's, that can be, uh, that can be a challenge too, right? A little bit, but actually I don't think so much. I'm like, the traffic, for sure. Um, <laughs> <laughs> if you can get there, yes, thank you, you made the journey. Um, when I when I think of Miami, I actually think of it as broad, right? Um, I think of Kendall as part of Miami like the greater Miami area right like our South Florida area and yeah every every neighborhood every every geographical kind of like area around like quote-unquote city of Miami is is specific like when I go to Kendall when I go to Homestead or when I go to like North Miami there is like a really unique kind of element for every like neighborhood or city um, but all taken all together, I feel like that's that's Miami, right? right? Up to the county line. Right. Our guest today is the artist and educator Marie Vickles. She's the senior director of education at the Perez Art Museum and the curator in residence at the Little Haiti Cultural Complex. So speaking of art, I mean you obviously you obviously have a real strong connection to it if you're if you make it your career to promote uh, and educate others about about others' work. Um, so I'm curious where that comes from. Um, talk to me about about how art first came into your life. Like, who were the people that introduced art to you? Mm, my origin story. Yes, okay. your 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 villain <laughs> your villainous origin story. We're going back. Um, it was pretty innocent. Um, <laughs> it was probably Sunday school. Like, I'm thinking back to I remember the classroom very vividly and the teacher. But um, it was I've always I've always made art. Right. I don't remember a time where I wasn't like making something mm. as a child with my hands, whether it was like doing stuff outside, like building little little worlds or like making art with like whatever materials I could find around the house or anywhere. Um, and I just remember one day in a class, a teacher 
after I had made like some drawings, she, when my mom picked me up, she took them and showed my mom and she's like, you really should keep her in art classes. She's really good. And that moment, it's, it's wild, but it's like, I probably was like four years old or something. I, I remember it like it was yesterday and it, it made me feel proud to like, to hear something that I'd love to do that felt really natural to me recognized in that way. Um, and thank goodness my mom like followed the advice and she, you know, put me in art classes whenever she could find them, like free stuff here and there, stuff at the rec center, whatever was available. And from that point on, I've just, art has been something in my life, whether I was like in a class or not, it's just, I would just make things. Interesting. So you would make things and your mom would take you places. Mm -hmm. And do you remember some of your exposure, some of the moments that like you were first introduced to really conceptual things, the Picassos of the world, whatever, Mm -hmm. you know, and things that really kind of resonated with you. Like this is, this is something pretty grand, you know? Yeah, actually. Okay. So two moments. One, my mom would take me and my brother everywhere, probably places we (laughs) nothing scandalous but maybe to like too many things right (laughs) like immigrant parents they're like you're coming with me we're going everywhere yes i can't leave you anywhere no yeah all the weddings all the funerals everything where where were your parents from uh my mom's originally from greece and she moved to this country when she was 27 so she's like very greek right oh wow what does that mean what does it mean to be very greek it means everything is about greece (laughs) everything's greek in origin it's like greek greek people it's like yeah i'm getting very much my big fat greek wedding uh uh i can tell you the origin of that word exactly that's exactly what she's like So, so you were saying there were two really two major moments that stuck out to you yeah so my mom took me and my brother to this movie that was made it was actually a picasso um, like documentary hmm. and it's a, a move it's like a documentary of a Picasso painting on these backlit canvases so you're watching him actually make the artwork um, and then at the end of that film I remember my mom telling me in like her very dramatic way she's like all the paintings are going to be burned you can only see them in this documentary I was like oh my god <laughs> yeah and we saw it on the IMAX which was like super like oh, amazing wow. it just like took over all your senses yeah then. So that was pretty, uh, you know, impressionable, you know, for like, I think I was probably maybe like six years old or something when I saw that. Especially when you're little and you're making whatever it is that you make, you work so hard at it. And then like, here's this, here's this guy trying to make a point by burning all these things that he's invested his energy into to make a different point. Yes. Right. You have to see them in that film and that's it. Wow. And then the other kind of, uh, I think big moment in just like kind of exciting me about art was was maybe not just one moment but like all the times I would get to see art in like big venues mm. mostly museums there was a free day at the Denver Art Museum I remember we would go there as a kid and I did touch a couple of things I know. Listen, <laughs> set off we the all sensor do. or two. Oh, you set off the sensor that's like a yeah. next level thing yeah there was one particular sculpture they had that was like hyper realistic uh a sculpture of a, a woman like it had like even like you could see the pores of skin it's like the hair follicles like beads of sweat I just couldn't resist I'm oh like, my god I'm yeah like, how can they person? ask a kid to not touch that <laughs> that person's alive in yeah. there <laughs> yeah so oh. yeah so I learned <laughs> and and so you 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 have this career and and you tell me about that um 
the part that you're really interested in was textiles. That's what eventually caught your attention, and it it, it sprung a memory for me because we had an artist here, Diana Osevio, who's uh, yes. who's in residence at Ulight, um, and her big thing is is textiles and kind of, but the idea of being, you know, where you know what what story those textiles tell, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm curious what what grabbed your attention about that. So I I actually went to FIT. For for textile and surface design, that and is fill in those those that that and uh, those letters for me. Oh, FIT yes stands for Fashion Institute of Technology. It's in New much. York City. I went to New York because if you can make it there, you can make it anywhere. That's what the song says, right? And um, I think probably ninety percent of the people that go there, they're like, I'm going to be a fashion designer. So I kind of went with those dreams as well. Sure. The awesome thing about FIT is they look at your portfolio and they see different strengths um, that you might have and then ask if you want to consider other options that you may not be aware of. So they're like, well, did you know that, you know, based on your portfolio, your skills in this design kind of area are really strong. Do you want to think about textile surface design? I was like, oh, I don't know. I'll think about it. And I eventually ended up majoring in that. Uh, good teachers yeah. see the things that we don't right away, yes. right? They see things in us. Totally. I, d- I didn't even know that was a a field of study right. when I started. Like you said, your job, yeah. you didn't know that your job existed. Exactly. Right. So learning every day is a, a, a chance to learn something new. Um, yeah, so... Uh, tell, so tell me mm-hmm. about then taking something like that where you're in the creation of your own art. You're, you're a young person, right? Like, you know, you're you're in college, you're at the Institute of Technology. Um, and then turning that, like how you get to the point where you start working with teaching folks about mm-hmm. art, teaching to understand. Like, was there a moment for you or moments for you along the way that you're like, you know, it's important for people to understand, to connect in this way? Right. Well, you know, it's it's also interesting about that cause, because um, working with others mm-hmm. in, in like the practice of art has always kind of just come to me natural, naturally, like collaborative art making. Oh, you were say. definitely not hide in the cave and create art. You like collaborating with yes, others. Yes, I've always loved that. And then once I started working in textile and surface design, especially in printmaking, printmaking is is a collaborative kind of uh, work mm. and a collaborative kind of form of art making to a certain degree. Like you do need others to help you uh, create the work. Um, it's unless you're working on very small scales you usually need another person to like help you lift heavy screens. You know, you're stretching big things of fabric. It it, it just goes on and on. Oh, and you just learn early on. You yeah. need you need other people to help you make this art. Exactly. So that just I think fed into it to itself and just kind of grew. And then I love working with young people as well. Mm-hmm. While I was studying art in school, I also um, volunteered. Um, and worked with after-school programs in the New York City um, public school system. So one thing just kind of led to another, and everything built and kind of informed each other. Yeah, yeah and that's so much about, so much of what you do today, too, it involves that. Like, you know, we were talking about explaining Ai Weiwei to a five-year-old. Um, what was it about that aspect, then, of trying to, did it help you understand your art better when you have to explain it to a, to a two-year-old, like uh, like Denzel said in, uh, uh, in that movie? Um, Tell me about that, that idea of how explaining your art when you have to break it down, mm-hmm. even for a kid, how that helped you understand it differently. Um, I think explaining art to very young people like kids, you know, that are in elementary grade school, it's it really 
uh, for me at least anyway, it really just kind of drives home how universal art is. It certainly helps me to understand art better um, because if you can explain it to a five-year-old in a way that makes sense, then you can hopefully explain it to anyone. Um, and it just gets, it really distills the idea to its, you could say it's like most pure kind of form. So yeah, there's something really special about, about being able to talk about art with young people. Yeah. I, I'm curious about, you know, you're, you're in New York and you're getting all these, th this exposure to different forms of art and different ways of communicating it. So how does that eventually get you to Miami to the point where you're, you know, you're now educating folks at the PAM, like when it opened in what, 2013, right? It's been yeah. 10 years, right? Yeah, it opened in 2013. Right. Happy birthday, PAM. Woo woo, yep, 10 years. <laughs> it's flown by. Um, gosh, so my path to being where I am now, is it's really come through many different iterations, right? Mm -hmm. So working more on like commercial uh, ways as a designer in New York and then deciding like, hey, I don't know if I want to raise my family in New York City, you know, not being from a big city, moving to Miami back in 2005 and, and really kind of um, getting back into education. A lot of it I, I owe to my daughter. She inspired me to like, you know what, let's, let's do this. I don't have to have a class of just one. I can get back into teaching again. So um, I became an art teacher again. Oh, wow. When Did I moved here. Working where? I worked at the Miami Shores Baptist Academy. I don't think they're around anymore, mm. unfortunately, but it was an amazing experience. I taught K through, well, actually pre-K through fifth grade. Wow. Um, lots of impromptu haircuts on the pre-K side. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah I, have a, I have a case with one kid who'd love to cut, who cut, her bangs off yeah or cut herself bangs i guess is yeah. the best way to say it very punk rock yeah also, also with miami-dade county public schools um and just a, after school programs yeah. like all over the county working with different art um organizations and programs oh you were totally yeah. in training for this job mm -hmm. I, i'm curious from from someone who's from denver immigrant parents in a totally different kind of scenario than here and then was in new york like how did that how did not being from Miami help you see this city differently? Like, what did you see here that mm. that you know that surprised you, or that that it, that kind of um, informed you when you were talking about the art that you see here? Mm -hmm. Um, what surprised me, I guess, when I first moved here, and I and it's I don't know that it surprises me, but I love it. I just love being in a place that I don't necessarily always feel like I'm in the United States. Hmm. I for me, that's like one of the reasons I fell in love with Miami. I was like, okay, I'm still trading in dollars, but technically, you know, I might not be in the, in the States. Um, that, and also on, on the flip side of that, Miami actually reminded me a lot of, of Denver when I left it in 99, mm. um, in where it was at in like the term, in terms of uh, growth mm. so the arch adrian arch center like the whole performing arts center was just being completed when i i moved here so and that had also just happened in colorado like a few years prior so i was like okay we're kind of like at the same place of growth culturally speaking like the investment into the arts right. was similar to what i remember in colorado um yeah so for me miami 
in a weird way reminded me a little bit of home and and just the 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 atmosphere the people the vibes if i could say i i totally felt at home especially being raised by um by an immigrant mom who was just always like talking about the old country and how things were always better and da 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 but they're not <laughs> going back to it right but they still are reminiscing <laughs> yeah our guest today is the artist and educator marie vickles She's the Senior Director of Education at the Perez Art Museum and the Curator-in-Residence at the Little Haiti Cultural Complex. So, um, Murray, you got here at a really interesting time where, you know, the PAM is, is, is about to be built in this on this incredible piece of land on what has one of the most beautiful views, I think, in Miami. And talk to me about how you see that role, right? Like how that, when they asked you to be part of of the arts education program. How did you see your role of what you wanted to do there? And, and how has that changed over the years? Mm, yeah, great question. Um, so I started working at PAM as uh, the outreach associate, which was perfect for for what I wanted to do, what I was currently doing um, in Little Haiti. Mm-hmm. And I actually had gotten to know <clears throat> the folks at PAM via my work with Little Haiti. I got and you. so they brought me in as outreach associate, which was a position tasked with like reaching out to the community, finding, you know, relevant connections and, and partners that could come to the come to the museum, the new museum that had just been built, and also pro creating programs in the neighborhoods like all around Miami Dade County that would benefit from, you know, art education. So and, and, and you came yeah. from an interesting part, too, because then you had already <laughs> been teaching here. You've been thinking about the arts. Mm-hmm. You were already with the Little Haiti uh, Cultural Complex. Mm-hmm. And so you had a you were in you had an in you un, you, you started to really understand this community then. Yes, yeah. definitely. Yeah. How did how do you think that helped? Um, well, OK, so I'll say one thing that may not seem as related, but I think it definitely relates. So the first five years that I lived here, I rode the bus everywhere. I didn't have a car. And I think when you explore a city walking, using public transportation, and I went everywhere because I was still in like my New York mode. I was like, no, 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 I'm using public transportation. (laughs) Plus, I don't have money to buy a car. So it all worked out, right? Right, I was like, it all, yeah. So I really got to know the city in a very, I would say like intimate way that you just don't get when you're kind of like trapped in your car you know, and not like foot to the pavement, like, you know, elbows to elbow with other people on on public transportation. Like there was a way I got to know the city that I felt was really special. And I still like I still feel like it impacts like how I think about how how we move through Mm -hmm. this town. Right. Like how do people get around? I think it's a really important part of like when you think about what you're going to offer from an organization standpoint, like how is somebody going to get to you or how are you going to get to them? Um, You were the Metro mover here, so you know how that works. Exactly. And it was awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. So that actually, those kind of like, I think concrete experiences Mm -hmm. made me think about how we can best serve different communities, you know, like, how you create a program for folks in Hialeah, it might not be the same as how you create a program for folks in Homestead. Like two very different um, geographical areas. Like how do you, you know, like how do you get to one from the other? Like 
Good, how okay, do people good, get around? Good question. How did how did you do that? How did you? Um, I, I imagine the ten years you've been here, you've thought about those very questions. Give me. A, would you talk to me about some some of the times where you've had to do something like that? Yeah, yeah. So um, actually, a really sweet and awesome program that we're doing right now at the museum. It's called Creative Aging, and it's for folks that are fifty-five and better. And it <laughs> and better and better. I love it. <laughs> yeah, right. And we bring uh, we bring or invite groups, individuals to come to the museum for hands-on art-making experiences. You mm-hmm. don't have to have experience to be a part of it. And um, we also create uh, conduct tours in the gallery, so we talk about art that's on view, and and. You know, definitely folks are going to get inspired by what they're seeing to make their own work. Um, one of the groups we're working with is uh, in conjunction with the Hialeah Housing Association. And we have a whole bus that comes to us with folks from the Hialeah Housing Association, one of their buildings. And it is just a beautiful, sweet group of mostly women. Um and maybe there's like a rogue gentleman in there somewhere. Right. He's smart. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's smart. He knows, he yeah. knows. Uh-huh. And um, so they come to the museum like uh, with transportation that's already prearranged because we all know how challenging it is to get around uh, Miami. And they get to have museum experiences twice a week for about six weeks. We show their work at the museum. Oh, wow. They come out with their families at the end of the program. We have a, a mini pop-up exhibition celebrating everything they did. And it's it's just like a really special way to engage with folks um, that may not be able to come to the museum all the time. But we, we have figured out like, okay, transportation is a need. Let's work with um, around that. So like getting everybody on the same bus at once, trying to have like 15, 20 folks driving on their own doesn't really make sense. Right. Um, also, we go to lots of places. So oh, with the parks in the summer, for ex- another example, is um, during the summertime, we have a program called Pam in the Neighborhood where we take, uh, we, we don't take anything. Well, yeah, we do take it. We take art supplies out to the communities. Um, we work with a lot of city of Miami parks, county parks, community organizations, mm. and um, the incredible team of teaching artists uh, c- go to all these venues and work with youth to make art right where they're at. Right. So I imagine in those 10 years, like we were, we were just saying at the beginning here, is you've seen a real, you must have seen a real change in the community. Um, because we have an institution like the PAM and because it has these different methods of outreach. Talk to me about how you've seen, like, the folks that, that you come across now, like how their exposure to art has changed. Oh, yeah. Changed. Well, I think, for one, it's really just, it's so awesome to hear and people, to hear people say, like, how proud they are to ha- that we have this, like, awesome museum, this beautiful, big, you know, kind of like our city museum right there on the bay right next to frost science so there's a cultural like campus that a city like miami can be proud of mm-hmm. um i see it in in concrete ways with the youth that have uh participated in our programs um one of our pam Teen arts council members actually uh just got a job at moma in new york city wow yeah so this is a teen that went to miami-dade county public schools she uh participated in a arts program at the museum that's just specifically for teens so teens creating programming for other teens at the museum um and 
now she's followed through on this on this career, this interest in art. She's and she's pursuing her dreams in New York City. Right. Yeah. You know, it's interesting to me that you you have this balance, right? Of these, you're exposing folks and you're talking to folks about um, these these internationally recognized artists that come through, but then you're also working at the Little Haiti Cultural Center. Talk to me about what what each feeds for you. In other words, what do you? How does it feed your your soul as an artist and as an educator? Each one of those jobs, you know. Yeah. Well. Yeah, I'm I'm a creative person, so I, I need to have more than one thing, more than one pot on the stove. Uh-huh. Like I have to have multiple things bubbling up. Textiles, so. textiles, lots <laughs> yeah. of textures there. Yeah, yeah, lots of textures. Okay. Um. So, the the capacity of working at a place like Pam, right? We have incredible access to resources. We have this beautiful facility that we can welcome in thousands of people, school children every single day. That is something that is really special, right? It takes a lot of people, a lot of years, a lot of work for something like that to to happen. So in terms of like the outreach what we're able to do at an institution like Pam I'm I'm really just so grateful for that experience for the platform that I can share and and try to spread out across the community as broadly as possible mm-hmm. um and then in a place like Little Haiti Cultural Center there is still that really important aspect of community engagement um it's more specific to the neighborhood but people are coming from all over to Little Haiti within Miami, within South Florida, and then beyond. Um, but the, I think the services that we provide at Little Haiti, while they might not serve at, you know, in the numbers that we serve at PAM, for me, it offers a, a place to just move at a different kind of creative, creative kind of pace, right. I'll say. Um, you know, like you need your like small, independent, quick moving things. And then you have like your big, you know, massive organization, projects and programs and offerings like at a, at Pam that that you need both in a community you need you need the small guys you need the big guys right right yeah, yeah like said at Pam you have a, a a big team like 18 20 people or something yeah. right and and little Haiti it's smaller than that oh yeah yeah okay. <laughs> talk to me about some of the so l- let's talk about the little Haiti cultural complex a little bit more talk to me about some of the exhibits we mentioned uh, you know uh, uh, give them their flowers um, talk to me about some of the other exhibits that you are proud of to have seen come through there and, and talk to me about a little bit about how you how you try to communicate, you know, the education side to folks yeah. who are coming to there. So I can't talk about Little Haiti without talking about Edouard Duvalcari and the Haitian Cultural Arts Alliance, which is right next door. Um, and honestly, I, I have learned so much from Edouard. As a curator, I owe a lot to him. He he mentored me, or at least was a great example to me, whether he knew it or not. We still work together. Shout out, Edouard, if you're yes. listening. <laughs> Former Sundown guest, Edouard. Oh, yeah. Okay, yes. cool. And, yeah, so there's a program, ongoing exhibition program, that's been at the Little Haiti Cultural Center that has really, I think, put the center on the map that Edouard started called um, Lo- Global Borderless Caribbean. And this particular exhibition program is focused on bringing in contemporary bringing in and showcasing contemporary art of the um, Caribbean diaspora which is such a uh, such a heartbeat of Miami right exactly. is the, is the, the Caribbean connection yeah that's who we are and I think that program 
is has been a, a small but mighty mover of how Caribbean art is has been received and is now you see it on platforms like Art Basel, of course at PAM. It's one of our main focuses in how we collect work and what we show. Um, but and, and I was going to say, what a, what a great connection. An mm-hmm. artist who is both a, a, a local cultural icon mm-hmm. in a place like Little Haiti and speaks to Little Haiti, but then you can also showcase and people can, can draw that line, right? Showcase at a place like Pam. Exactly, yeah. And Edwards, he was actually also one of the opening artists when Pam uh, opened in the new building too. So it was like, you know, showing our hometown heroes, like our local celebrity artists like in in the Pam was I think really um, important to to give that nod to like the talent that is here in Miami. Right. How how have you seen um, the art change students? Right. Like those folks that come in and and are exposed to it for the first time and you're talking to them about this education side and really uh, talking about the meanings behind it. How have you seen him change students? Mm. I have seen it actually give people more confidence within themselves to voice their ideas. Right. To feel like, okay, somebody thought about this particular subject or 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 had an idea and made a work about it and they followed it. They pursued their, their passion, you know, this thought that they had. Um, and it, I think it inspires people young and old to, to like follow their passions, to follow their ideas, to speak about the things that are important to them. Um, not necessarily, it doesn't mean you necessarily have to make art to, to do that. But it, I think just talking about art, thinking about art, discussing it with other people, helps you to kind of formulate um, your own thoughts better. It's, it's like great practice for, for that. And can and I see it give confidence to to people to to share what's on their mind. Right. Permission to think, right? Permission mm-hmm. to to have an opinion and to and to voice it in some way, whether it's art or, or music or or just, you know, whether you're going to read a, lead some kind of protest or have a meeting about, mm-hmm. you know, something that, that ticks you off about your condo association. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, get inspired. <laughs> Make a poster. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about what's on deck for both Pam and, and for um, the Little Haiti Cultural Complex. Uh, what, are, what are some things that you're looking forward to at each? Let's start with Little Haiti. What are some things that you're looking forward to there? Okay, gosh, we've got a lot. So... At Little Haiti, we have an exhibition coming up um, that is curated by Carl Just um, and, and supported by FIU. It's called the Lincoln Memorial Project, and it documents the Lincoln Memorial Park Cemetery, which is a historic African-American cemetery in the Brownsville neighborhood. Um, and then after that, we will, for during the Art Basel season, we'll again bring back the borderless um, the borderless caribbean exhibition series oh um, wonderful so yeah. eduard and, and carl just who's a big who's a who's a friend of the show as yeah. we like to say and a former herald colleague of mine nice um and his dad was like the founder of little hate that's right have you done a show on that i, I we have talked yeah. with carl about that on the okay, show cool. folks like i said all episodes are unavailable <laughs> on our daily podcast you can go find that episode with carl just uh, so those are two exciting uh things for you guys to look forward to um, um, talk to me about the PAM then. What do you have kind of, kind of coming up, especially, you know, as we get into, you know, the art season, the season mm-hmm. of the arts here. Um, what are the things that you're excited about to see and to talk and teach folks about what's yeah. coming through there? So first I'll, I'll shout out the exhibition that we have, which will open in December. 
um, uh, right in time for Art Basel. It's uh, Gary Simmons, Public Enemy is the name of the show. And that is going to be a incredible, impactful exhibition. I think it's going to inspire a lot of us just to think about what, you know, our current state of affairs, the world we live in, the state we live in, like, where are we as humans on this planet? What what are the things that are important to us? So that exhibition I'm really looking forward to. And then in terms of programming, here we go, brace yourselves. So we've got a lot of Caribbean focused programming starting um, the end of August, August 31st, we're kicking it off with Third Horizon Film Festival coming back with a season of Caribbean cinema. Um, on the 21st of September, we're going to uh, feature an incredible artist named Carla Gannis. Um, she is, she's been working in uh, digital and pioneering artwork that fuses technology and tr traditional media for a long time. So she's been already in this field for a while and she's going to be um, coming to uh, for a lecture uh, as part of our show lecture series that's presented by Goldman Sachs and then on September 28th we go back to more Caribbean focused programming with a virtual lunchtime zoom of a reading uh, group session uh, that is part of the uh, public offerings related to the Madeline Hunt Ehrlich film installation Too Bright to See and it focuses on the legacy of Martinican writer Suzanne Cesaire. I, I'm curious how, you know, you, these are such, you know, such disparate shows, you know, like what you have here. And, but, but there's such a, a Caribbean connection. And I'm thinking about the Little Haiti cultural complex as well. And uh, talk to me about how you, how you have those things kind of speak to each other, you know, right? Because there's, there's an element with those shows, all, they all have this, this kind of one underlying um, theme with them. Talk to me about that, about finding those connections yeah so at Pam we have this incredible program a project really um, that is called CCI it's the Caribbean Cultural Institute mm. and it was uh, uh, brainstormed and initially founded by a curator that has now moved to Texas Maria Elena Ortiz and she's from Puerto Rico and uh, you know with the Caribbean focus that we do have here in Miami with exhibitions with programming at Little Haiti with the art that we collect at PAM. It only seemed natural that we would propose to have a, a project like CCI at PAM. Um, so, you know, uh, these programs speak to each other, mm. right? So what we offer at PAM, for example, um, I think complement the things that you might find at Little Haiti. And what I think what we do at Little Haiti is to put a more focused emphasis on the local, um, which is really important in a city like Miami that has so many incredible artists from the Caribbean of Caribbean descent and it's it's just I think they the programs just really play off each other nicely what do you talk to me about your own art career like what are you what are you working on these days and what what what, <laughs> it, what it's exciting to you personally oh I need to put more time into that um personally I'm I'm trying to make art a little a little bit every single day small big something I got to make something every day playing around a lot with collage um, I'm also uh, working on uh, formalizing some of the things I do with artists like thinking about how I can formalize the some of the support guidance consultation that I I do provide to a lot of local artists and and make some of those resources more readily available um, to just more more folks uh, Marie where can folks go to get more information about uh, your programs at the PAM 
Okay, pam.org. And Little Haiti Cultural Center? Little Haiti Cultural Center. I believe it's littlehaiticulturalcenter.com or .org. Marie, thank you so much for coming in and spending some time with us. Thank you. My pleasure. Our guest today was the artist and educator Marie Vickles. She's the Senior Director of Education at the Perez Art Museum and the Curator in Residence at the Little Haiti Cultural Complex. And that's Sundown for Tuesday, August 22nd. Leslie Olay Atkinson is our lead producer. Elisa Baena is our producer and social media editor. Sergio Bustos is WLRN's VP of News. And Katie Munoz is our director of live programming. Peter J. Mertz is WLRN's VP of Radio. Richard Ives engineered our board. Our theme music is by the Miami Afro-Cuban funk band Palo at gopalo.com. You can download a podcast of this program. Just search for WLRN Sundial on your podcast app. Coming up tomorrow on the program, we're going under the sea. Well, not literally, not yet anyway. A Miami theater company is putting on a production of the beloved Disney story, The Little Mermaid, right here at the Arsht. We'll talk with the artistic director about what makes this version sing. Sorry about that. I'm Carlos Frias. Good vibes only. WLRN Public Media.